Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. Today's episode is going to be the second part of our listener Q&A because we've had so many last episode that we couldn't get through all of them. My name is Jed Hearn, author of Fires of the Dead, uh, which you can see the cover for behind me if you are watching on YouTube. And I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting with Mike. Hey, I'm Mike Fletcher, author of the Obsidian Path and City of Sacrifice series and some other stunningly amazing books. Which Dirk I wrote Ashton. for Mike. Which, yeah, I'm Dirk, Dirk Ashton, and I write all Mike Fletcher's books. But I also wrote the uh, Paternus trilogy, actually written by Rob Hayes. Nice. And here, here are two of the characters. Nice. Peter and Fiona in training. Nice. See, now I'm going to have to uh, grab one of these. <laughs> uh, so Rob is... This is Eska. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm sorting up a little figurine of Eska, which has like two swords and like bat wings coming out of her shoulder blades, which is pretty sick um cool so yeah today's uh, episode we're going to be continuing with the listening questions uh, if you haven't listened to our last episode from last week uh check that out because we are kind of following on from the questions with that first question is the second part of hugo's question that we ended the previous episode with which is that he plans on writing a trilogy to end uh the main plot of his story is this fine or can this be a problem for editors what do you guys think uh, what do you mean by editors yeah, well, this is, I mean, if you're, if you're self-publishing, your editor is going to be like, yes, write a trilogy, write more books, send them all to me to edit and pay me. Mm-hmm. So your editor is going to be fine. Now, if you mean publishers instead of editors, uh, if your first book is amazing, they will want to buy all three of them. Yep, yep. If your first book is, eh, it's not bad, then they won't buy any of them. Or if your book first book is amazing, but not enough sell for the publisher to want to do the second book, Mike. Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, that was bad. Would you like some cream for that, Mike? No, Mike. Mike experienced that. Yeah. I mean, he wrote. A, he wrote a book that is hugely beyond redemption. That was hugely 
critically acclaimed and absolutely loved by the audience that actually read it. And it's quite a good size, but they decided, nah, on the second two. So Mike got, got stuck. But that doesn't happen all that often. Um, and more likely these days, I think, is, is, it, is it more likely in Trab Publishing these days that they, they do a, a trilogy deal as opposed to just a one book deal? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think there's still space in the market for like standalones, but I, I think like they're more than happy to have trilogies, you know, because obviously yeah. Yeah, if, if they're releasing, if you've written a trilogy and you, you're going to a publisher, then they're going to be like, well, yeah, okay. We like the first book. That's brilliant. As long as it does sell, um, then yeah, we're, we're definitely going to publish the next two because that's, it's a guaranteed audience basically. People right. who read book one are pretty much going to move on to book two. Yep. I think the great uh, example, like a good modern example of this is probably um, the Black Iron Legacy series by Gareth Hanrahan, who we've had on the show in the past. Uh, the first book, The Gutter Prayer, fantastic standalone. You can read it, never read any of the other books in the series. doesn't leave you with any major sort of cliffhangers that are unsatisfying, but there is absolutely a world in that that opens up by the end of the first book that makes sequels really interesting to explore. And as a result, he's written... Um, what's the second book? Uh, it's behind me somewhere. Um, Shadow, Saint. Shadow Saint, which I loved. Probably one of my favorite books uh, that I read last year. Um, and then Broken also, God. Yeah, Broken God, the third one, which has come out. And I don't know if there's more, but um, I have to read Broken there's God. There's five, I think. Uh, is it, is five it five? five? Heck I yeah. think it's five. So, I don't know. I, I, the thing is, uh, he planned it as a trilogy, but then correct. the publishers said they wanted more. So uh, I think it's five now. Yeah, I remember him actually talking. I'm not sure if it was on this show or if it was on the Novel Analyst podcast about how um, he was conscious of the fact that like any book that he wrote in that series could be the last. So he had to end every book in a way that was satisfying, but also encourage there being sequel potential. So I think that's a, that's a kind of good thing to aim for is to try to make sure that your book one kind of wraps up things in a satisfying way that proves that you can do a good ending, but also leaves the world open um, to, to future books for sure. So basically do a Star Wars. Yeah, do a New, new Hope. Hope can stand as its own. <laughs> Yes. Empire Strikes Back needs Return of the Jedi. That's right. And the Ewok Holiday Special is also just a wonderful standalone. Um, yeah, don't, don't worry too much about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Write the first book. Uh, yeah. If you're going to query, um, just <clears throat> tell them about the first book, that it, but that it is the book one in a trilogy. And that's it. You know, you know just don't, don't fret too much about that. Write kind the of book thing. the way you want to write the book. Yeah. And, you know, at, the, at the length that it needs that you think it needs to be that's yeah, yeah. prepare yourself for failure <laughs> <laughs> all right well on that note um moving on to the next question um laura writes in first of all i'm a fan of your podcast good start um you guys have good advice and you make me laugh that's pretty cool here uh they just listened to our episode about querying which is timely for what they're doing now i'm a self-published author who originally was hooked by a subsidiary publisher <laughs> Rob sounds familiar <laughs> uh, I learned a lot but realized I didn't want that relationship I split from them and republished my first one and self-published the others I do like the self-publishing knowing it's out there having the creativity but I have a new series that my beta readers love and I thought maybe I should query after listening to your episode though especially the part about how long things take I wonder is querying even worth it anymore um, but she also wonders did I lose patience by self-publishing and would agents still consider representing it pulling it from the shelf and trying to get a publisher to republish it? Or does that just never happen? So there's a couple of different things in here. I think probably the first one is 
uh, is querying worth it because it seems to take a long time. What's our thoughts? If you want, if you want to be, it's just basic. It's what you want. Do you want to be traditionally published? If you want to be traditionally published, then absolutely query and take mm -hmm. the time to query. You uh, once once that stuff is written, don't stop writing though. Keep writing. That's um, once you have that first book done, you can go ahead and continue to write the other books or move on to a different series. Don't wait around. Yeah. Um, and but by, by the time you finish the second or third book, you're going to know if you've got a traditionally published deal or an agent. Um, if you've got an agent, uh, which is what you have to get first, um, then you'll know. And by that time, you really haven't wasted that much time and you can self-publish. You can just, you know, uh, put them out one one every three to six months or definitely even, don't stop writing after you, yeah yeah you know, if, so if, if, so if you've you got write nothing, the first book and then and then yeah. stop to write something else then yeah. you end up with a bunch of book ones yeah. um and and no book twos yeah. to go with them trust <laughs> you know, me don't and do with, that and with self-publishing you've really wasted the only time you've wasted uh, at that point, and you didn't waste it because now you know is the time you took to to the to write up the query letters and send it and send them out, um, and because you know it never hurts, even though you've put off publishing that first book for maybe a year or two. Um, there is nothing wrong. In fact, it can be very helpful to release faster. Um, release, like I was saying, release uh, self-publishing. Release them. Uh, some people do a book every two months. Some people do a book a month. Uh, Rob? <laughs> some, some people do. He did that once and he said he'll never do it again. <laughs> I'm never doing it again until next year when I release the next two uh, War Eternal books. Nice. Oh, uh, okay. It was really but, commercially lucrative for you, though, to do it that way. Yeah, so. It was, yeah. which actually ties into, I think, uh, you got to figure out what your priorities are. Correct. If you want to yeah. be traditionally published, then yes, it mm -hmm. is definitely still worth pursuing um you know an agent and and the route of being traditionally published if if you're after money then from a real standpoint kind of no uh if uh, other other than the sort of like the 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 bigger um authors the sort of like the midlist indie authors earn more than the midlist trad authors um they, they just do that's why you see all these stories online about you know authors who you think are selling a ton a ton of books and they're sitting there going i don't earn enough from this mm -hmm. to, to to make a living i still have to work my day job and everything and then you see a bunch of like you know midlist indie authors who they can make a living from you know sort of like selling books because they earn a lot more per book sale basically yeah that made a lot more sense in my head i tried to get no, it out my head was stumbling and even <laughs> if you get even if you get a terrific six figure deal for a trilogy or something, you know, say you get a hundred thousand um, dollars, that's considered pretty amazing for a first time author, but you spread that out over three years, you have your agents cut your taxes. Um, you can't live on that. Um, yeah. And that's, that's unlikely. I mean, most first time authors, yeah, you're not getting 30 grand a book. You're just, no. some are, but I mean, most aren't like, I remember it's, so it's usually Redemption, closer to five, five or 10. I think yeah, beyond Redemption was a, uh, the, the, the advance was, was 15. And mm. I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty that's big. Nice. For those days. Yeah. 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 But it's like, that's, you know, there you go. There's that's your income for the year. Like, yeah. Well, 10, 10 percent, <laughs> 10 or, or like minimum 10%, sometimes 20 goes to your agent. 
Yeah, fifteen is fifteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. If your agent asks for more than fifteen, then get a different agent. Yeah, yeah. unless okay. they like make millions, in which case. Yeah, yeah. but no, fifteen yeah. is the industry standard from what I what I understand. Yeah, I think um, also just some other things into here. I think would agents still consider republishing it if it's indie? It does Only happen if it's really successful. Like I think it uh, does. Yeah. It, it, it does. It does happen. It does happen. They get picked up. Uh, it's happened from the SPFBO. Mm -hmm. um, people pick up the actual existing books, book or books that exist. Um, uh, the, the time when you were once, I mean, when I first started, um, even in 2016, uh, you had to consider that if you indie published, you would never get an agent, um, yes. no matter what you came up with, you would be basically kind of blacklisted and ignored by the traditional publishing scene by publishers and agents. And that time is long past. Uh, that can happen. Yeah. Um, so but, this Blackstone heart. Uh, but but it is rare. It is yeah. rare. It has to have already gotten some some pretty si significant um, um, city and traction sales. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. So Blackstone heart uh, came second in Mark Lawrence's there. We've mentioned him in this episode. Hey. Uh, SPFBO <laughs> number seven. Uh, wow. It won the book nest best self-published fantasy of the year. Uh, it is selling really well. Oh yeah! And after after SPFBO ended, I reached out to three different agents uh, that I know, uh, who I'm you know friends with writers. They they rep. Just saying, like, do you think there'd be any interest? You know, I've got a book that has here came second here, won that. It's selling well, and all three were basically like, no, but please send me whatever you write next. <laughs> right. So again, and, and if you indie published and you've, and you've done kind of well, or even if you really haven't that much, agents will still look at new manuscripts, mm. new projects. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, they won't, they won't immediately discount you out of hand because you were an indie publisher, which was not the case five years ago. Um, no. You would have been ignored, um, but that's, that's not the case. So don't let that worry you. Mike, there are you planning on, on sending them future books? You don't have to share um, if you don't want to. He's yeah. Like, so what a, what I'm going to do is, um, so the Obsidian Path series is kind of like my, my bread and butter. Um, once that's done, I'm going to write uh, probably a standalone novel for submitting to uh, traditional publishers just to test those waters again. Yeah. Once that's out the door, I'm going to finish up the last City of Sacrifice novel so that I've got those two trilogies done. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try it again, uh, kind of just out of curiosity and because I'm a glutton for punishment and really dumb. Mm. Nice. Um, all right. Probably moving on to the next question, unless we have anything quickly to add on that one. Yeah. Uh, so this question is quite long. I can barely fit it on my screen on Mongo. So I'm going to try to paraphrase it as much as possible. Um, so this question comes from Emily Jane, uh, who says, first of all, I just wanted to say that I'm a huge fan. We've had a lot of huge fans. <laughs> messaging into us it's nice it's much nicer than people messaging and saying hey i think you guys are stupid Answer this question. you suck you yeah. suck. I, don't, yeah. no, I, don't, I don't i don't mind that either because you know they're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> uh see look we don't need critics when we are our own worst critics um so basically that question is a little complicated uh they're writing a steampunk fantasy novel which first of all love that genre um yep. basically they're saying that their their book revolves around two different timelines so they have a steampunk world um that is hang on how is this how is this described uh that is essentially taking place like 
in the future and then there so in the time after and then there is the second portion of the book taking place several hundred years in the past in the time before uh, and the the way that they have kind of differentiated those is by writing the present day chapters in third person so that's the steampunk future the, the time after in third person uh, where all the flashbacks are in first person so the question is really boiling down to this idea um, to try to simplify it of how do you best deliver a structure of a story taking place in two different timelines while avoiding confu uh, confusion they don't want to reveal the concept of the flashbacks or the magic in a synopsis they want the book to be kind of a riddle that is slowly unraveled by the readers they go through it um i love i love the idea yeah i think it's cool as well uh and yeah. the only problem is that they worry that readers would go around thinking the book is simply a steampunk setting with elements revolving around heists bounty hunters and pirates only to find out it has a much deeper plot in this past section which is rooted in more fantasy and magic and more fantastical stuff um so yeah basically they appreciate any old feedback thank you for taking time to read my email um they have some other things in there as well, but I think that's that's probably the main thing we should get into. So to summarize that that question down, um, and I do appreciate her emailing in with that because that is like it's good to have a lot of context a for that. Really good question. Yeah, the the central thing here is like, how do you have a past? Sorry, how do you have a present and past chronology going through your story without kind of just giving it away by saying like past present at the start of chapters, um, and then. The second part of that also is how do you tell readers that it's more than just a steampunk story while not telling readers that it's more than just a steampunk That's story. just going to have to come out. I wouldn't worry too much about that. Mm. The, um, with, that's I'm, a tough one. <laughs> that's, a, it's a, it's, that's a good one. There's actually a really um, good example of this out there already. If you haven't seen, oh, this is a bit of a spoiler. Do I, oh, I came out. It came out a few years ago. Um, okay, so there's, there's a sci-fi movie out there uh, called Arrival, which is my favorite movie. Um, mm -hmm. It's also Adrian Tchaikovsky's favorite movie, which is pretty cool. Uh, he mentioned that when we had him on a, a few months ago. And all I'll say about it is that you think that certain scenes in the story are happening in a specific order. And then you realize they're not happening the way that you think they are. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't watched that, I would recommend watching Arrival and just seeing how they they pulled that off. Um, yep. Yeah. So that's that's a good example of if you just if you just leave out a bit of information, readers will assume that your story is proceeding like from beginning to end on a chronological order, basically. Correct. So um, play with expectations. Yeah. Play with yeah. expectations. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know how well i mean i like the idea of first person and third person shifts um i'm assuming that these are completely different characters um there are questions i would ask this person um are there are they the same are there some of the same characters in both storylines or is it completely different set of characters they seem are, like they're different sets of characters who are who are maybe some i would imagine they're somehow related um uh, in some way, obviously. Um, I mean, I but, think, but uh, I would just go ahead and just tell it and write write some of it and give it to some readers um, and see see how they feel. 
And if you're not going to do time tags, um, like the year AD or, or BC or, you know, whatever you want to make it up, um, uh, and you're not going to say past or present or a few days ago or a hundred years ago or something like that, then just, just keep going. You set yourself a, a, a difficult task, but something that I think that would be fa fascinating if you can pull it off. I think people like readers will assume, as Jed said, that it's a sort of chronological, it's set in a chronological, chronological order. So if you're starting in the steampunk setting and then your next chapter is moving to this more traditional fantasy setting somewhere in the past, obviously with a different perspective, that's fine. But I think uh, unless you're it's set in the same kingdom and that you point out the fact that the kingdoms are named the same thing, they will probably assume that it's different kingdoms yeah yeah and one of them's more technologically advanced and one of them exactly is they won't yeah. automatically assume that it's the past i don't think right yeah i so, think they'll just assume they're at different parts of the same world yeah so i think um, you're probably and i think I, and you think. might want to keep that in mind thinking that way right rob think yeah. in terms of, of setting it up so as if they are different cultures different parts of the same world but then we find out later yeah that, and then you you sprinkle the details in as the story develops to start making the reader question so you know maybe if, if they are the same kingdom you you leave off mentioning the kingdom name in one of the timelines until maybe halfway through and then you just yeah. sprinkle that in and suddenly they're like wait is it the same kingdom then or the name changes start... which happens with countries all the time right like you have a yeah. point yeah. three quarters of the way through where they're like the main character in the present discovers that this country used to be called a different name. And then the reader goes, oh, it's the same place. So yeah, that's, I think a good way to say Exactly. It. So yeah. yeah, it's just a, I, I think you just assume that the, the reader, it's hard because obviously you're coming from a place of full knowledge, but you assume that the reader is not gonna know what the hell's going on. Yes. Um, <laughs> they're not gonna just assume that's what's happening unless somebody has dropped some horrible spoilers. Um, Jed, like us. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you just Rob. I, I think what you have to do is just is just write it. Um, trust yourself that you know what you're doing for a start because you, you're going to know better than us the story. But write it as 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 it sort of comes, and then slowly sprinkle in the details, which will then lead people to question everything they know, um, and then. Obviously, when the reveal does eventually happen, I'm guessing probably towards the end, you're going to have some people who have figured it out and you're going to have some people who haven't. But either which way, it's going to be satisfying. The people who haven't figured it out are going to be like, what? And the people yeah. who have are going to be like, yes, I know it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, yep. Another what do you, way think, that, um, what do you, you guys could... think? So ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Jed. Oh, I was going to say, another way you could do this as well is the uh, Frankenstein method where you have the present... Uh, take, and by Frankenstein, I mean the actual book by Mary Shelley, like not just as, as a term. So basically with that, there's like four different frames where you have a character describing another character who is reading a letter that is describing another character. And that's a lot of frames in there. But basically what I'm saying is that you could, for instance, and I'm not sure what percentage of the story is present versus past, but if the past was only a, a small percentage, you could have your present chapters interspersed with maybe like letters from someone written in the past or, you know, describing things that they're going on. Um, and that could be a way to like 
distinguish them and get the first person in there in a way that feels natural rather than just shifting from third person narration to first person narration, which could be a little bit uh, confusing and off-putting to readers. Um, but I think probably for me, the best way to go about this would be just pretend they're different countries uh, and then you merge them. And that's actually really the essence of a twist is like most twists, if you look at them, uh, when you set up something so that readers think it is two somethings and then you reveal it's the same something all along. Like most really good twists like Darth Vader and Luke's father are two things until you realize they're the same thing. Um, that's sort of the, the structure of how most twists go. Uh, Mike, do you have any any thoughts about how you would tackle this or any any tips for Not this? Not really. Author? I mean, uh, uh, Dirkman uh, mentioned uh, time tags. The only thing I would say is um, it's stunning how few readers notice them. Uh, <laughs> I wrote a short story that was kind of playing with with time ideas and stuff. And the clue, you know, was very obviously each sort of like little section had its own heading, which was like the character's name and the day and time. And it was crucial to understanding the story. No one fucking read them. <laughs> it wasn't even a novel. This is like a like a four thousand word short story, and still yeah. no one read the fucking things. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I I make sure I put in three days ago. Really big <laughs> today. Yeah. yeah. Did you that, get that, this, Rita? Sort of like, if you say three days ago, they go, "Oh, okay." But if you just have like. Yeah, like, date, like Fletcher was saying, like a, time. a date at the beginning of one thing. Yeah, people aren't going to read it because, you know, they don't know what the dates mean, I guess. Too so... much effort. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, well, I, the, uh, I'm not sure that the, that the change in um, uh, POV, third and first, is necessary. Yeah, me neither. Um, might be cool, though, but. But it might be like cool. It works or it doesn't. Uh, yeah, because you can always switch it. It's not. It's not the first book to have done it as well. Don't you know? There are books which switch between first and third person POVs, and um, second and second person. Stay away from second. Unless you're writing Just interactive fiction it, like this sucker over here, which is all second person, which means that when I go back to writing novels, I'm going to be really discombobulated for a couple. So months. hard. Ah, oh, you get used to it. It was it's weird. It's like writing in present tense, man. Oh god. I have also yeah, I have enough <laughs> yeah, the I have enough problems with present and past tense cuz the the uh the Paternus novels are in present. The new work thing I'm working on is, is in past tense and I just keep slipping into present tense. I just keep doing it. It's it was fun. the other way around. I wrote one in in present tense and I just kept slipping into past tense. It was like Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I was going through editing and I was just constantly finding this these little ones like the, the character just refers to it as I did this instead of like yeah. I you know I was I am doing this. Oh. Uh, anyway, I hope that was useful. Uh, what was the name of the question again? I've lost it on here. Emily Jane, hope that was useful. Um, thank you for sending in that question. You also have another question there, which I'm interested to potentially get to in the future. Um, but I think that's probably been enough listener questions for now. Thank you for everyone for emailing in your questions. It's really cool that you guys are basically doing our job for us and giving us <laughs> topics that we need to talk about. So keep it yeah. up. Uh, <laughs> um, if you have questions that you want to email into the show, send them to wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com. Um, that email address should also be down in the show notes for this episode. Also, if you want to help support the show uh, and get priority Q&A access you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash wizards, worries, words, also in the show notes for this. 
Uh, and if you're a patron, you can get cool things like free advanced reader copies of our new books. I think up there at the moment, we have Pawn's Gambit and Noriaska Groans. Um, we Birds of Vengeance coming soon. Heck soon. yeah. Plug it, Rob. Um, that was a nice little reverb effect there. Uh, plus, yeah, you get priority Q&A access, which means that we prioritize your questions when we're putting together these listener Q&A episodes. Um, and yeah, also you are visited by the ghost of Michael R. Fletcher the first time you donate and he thanks you and does Wait, good things for your life. Fletcher's dead? <gasps> what a twist! Actually a necromancer. <laughs> uh, yes. So on that note that we have discovered that there are only three people actually in this conversation um thank you so much for listening or watching and we will all see you next time bye everybody, Thanks, everybody. And sweet dreams hopefully fletcher oh, will only come to visit you in a kind ghost capacity <laughs> well either way you end that one on a threat <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by our wonderful patrons if you would like to help support the show and get access to cool bonuses like free advanced reader copies of our new books feedback on your own writing ad free episodes and more please go to patreon.com forward slash wizards warriors words. You can also find the link to that in our show notes. And as we end this episode, thank you to our special high tier Patreon, Daniel Henderson. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.